Good morning, everybody. Uh, we are reading from the Bible now. So we're looking to Matthew 28, looking at 11 to 15. So it will be on the screen. You can read along with me if you want to grab your phones or a Bible. Please feel free to do that. Uh, so Matthew 28, looking at verses 11 through to 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his soldiers, sorry, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while, he, while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Here we go. I should say I'm late from Mount Kembla, but I was just having an extra sip of coffee, so I can't really. Sorry. Good morning. Uh, my name's Langdon. Welcome to church. If you are new or visiting, I extend my greeting as well. Um, I have to ask a question this morning. Does anyone ever stay up late and listen to the Mighty Challenge on ABC Radio? Is it just me? Does anyone, or do you like those quiz shows? Anyone ever watch those quiz shows? Uh, like Eddie, um, The Millionaire Show, or Sale of the Century way back in the day? Or, like, does anyone ever watch those quiz shows? And you watch them, and the person gets the answer wrong, but in your head you're like, oh, I knew the answer to that question. If I was there, I would have got the prize. Has anyone ever felt like that? If I was there, I would have done it differently. I would have won. I would have got the prize. I would have got whatever. Sometimes when those things happen, we look back and go, oh, I would have responded differently to you. And as we come to this passage that uh, Tim, uh, thank you, has just read for us, we're coming to this passage of, uh, uh, this passage of looking back at this empty tomb and how different groups respond to this empty tomb, this news of the risen Lord Jesus. And we're going to have a look back and think about how did they respond, but maybe asking the question, how would we respond? So can I pray for us? And would you pray with me? Because we're going to ask that the, God's word is going to speak to us this morning. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, wherever we're at, if we're here online or wherever, wherever we're at in our minds, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? Would you illuminate your word so it flies off the page into our heads, but also into our hearts? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're reading this uh, passage from Matthew's uh, gospel. Uh, this little few verses that come directly after, directly after our uh, events from Easter uh, the week before. Uh, I want to remind us uh, what happened uh, the week before, uh, last week on Easter Sunday. 
from Matthew 27. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So the, the women, they're going to prepare and care for the body. When they get to the tomb, this is what happens, verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. Now here's my question for us. If you were there, how would you have responded? How would you take that in? How would you respond to that? Uh, the passage that has just been read for us is in answer to a question uh, that Matthew speaks into, a rumour that said the resurrection didn't happen, the body was stolen. This rumour persists, we know, at least till the mid-second century. Uh, and he's writing into that. But as we look at this passage, I want to ask us, how would we respond to... If we were there, if, if we were in the shoes of one of the people, the groups of people that are mentioned in that passage, there's a couple of groups of people uh, that are mentioned. One of them is not the disciples, the 12 disciples. They've, they've bailed by this time. Uh, but we do see three groups. One is uh, the, the women disciples of Jesus, not the 12, but the women. Uh, we see in the passage the chief priests, and the Roman guards. And I just want to have a look at each of them and consider how did they respond? Because as we consider how they responded to what they've seen, maybe it helps us to think about how would, how would we respond? Or if we're talking about the ideas of the resurrection with our friends or family, I know many of us pray and would like to win our friends or family uh, to trusting in Jesus as well. Maybe this has some implications for us in those conversations as well. So what do the women do? Well, the women, as they see this happen, we see uh, in verse 8, uh, in just a bit before our passage, in Matthew 28, verse 8, as the women are confronted with this... Actually, I'll jump back to verse 5. The women are confronted with this violent earthquake. The angel says to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I've told you. And so when we meet uh, in verse 8, what do we read? The women hurried away from the tomb. Why? Because they're being obedient to what they've just heard that the angels say. These women have come. They thought they would find Jesus' body, but they've come and they've met uh, the angel and uh, the angel who's given this great news that Christ is risen. We see that there's two things that they exhibit. Uh, we see that they're afraid, in verse 8, yet filled with joy. There's a fear in them. There is a bit of fear. If you'd just seen an angel, I'd be, pr I'd be pretty afraid. Uh, there's a great fear in them. 
Maybe there's a, a fear at the implications, uh, an urgency to do what the angel says for them to do. Maybe there's some uncertainty, but there's also a joy because these ladies have been following Jesus, putting their trust in Jesus, and to see this, hear from the angel, this great news that Jesus is risen is a vindication for them who've been following the Lord Jesus. There's a fear and there's a joy, but what's their response? Their response to the empty tomb, their response to seeing this earthquake, to hearing that Jesus is risen, is obedience. These women came to the empty tomb because they thought they were going to look after the body. But once they saw that Jesus had risen, it changed their whole agenda. They're confronted with this truth and it changes the way they live their lives. They're not concerned about caring for a body anymore. They're now concerned about what they've been tasked to do by the angel, which is go to tell the disciples to meet uh, Jesus in Galilee. And as they change to obedience and they start to follow Jesus, what happens? They meet Jesus on the way. In fact, out of their obedience, they see Jesus. And as they see Jesus, it leads them to worship as they go. So while the women were on their way, what we see is that this isn't seeing the, the risen Lord Jesus, seeing that empty tomb has changed them has changed them to be faithful and obedient. That's what happens to the women. What about our second group? Our second group are these chief priests. Now, who are the chief priests? Let me just come to that first. These guys are the ruling religious elders. They're made up of lots of different groups, Pharisees. One of the biggest groups would have been the Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees uh, were quite influential. Um, and they had slightly differing beliefs, but they were the, probably the most influential of the chief priests. They believed really in just only the first five books of uh, the, the Old Testament called the Torah. Uh, and that was really the central place of all their beliefs. They rejected supernatural elements. So they rejected uh, resurrection. They rejected often things like angels and demons and, and all those things. To their way of thinking, that did not happen. They also had the power. Uh, because it was such a religious culture and society, they were at the center of it. So they're often wealthy. Uh, and they were at the, really the center of maintaining the traditions and things that kept their culture together. And these chief priests are actually quite concerned. In fact, after Jesus has died, they remember, better than the disciples, they remember that Jesus said that he might come back in three days. So we read in Matthew 27, if you jump back in your Bibles, that uh, after Jesus had died, these chief priests and Pharisees actually go to Pilate, uh, the Roman ruler, and uh, say to him, we're actually still quite concerned that after three days, Jesus' followers might come and steal the body. Uh, and uh, so they ask Pilate, uh, verse 64, give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples might come and steal the body, tell the people he's been raised from the dead, and this last deception will be worse than the first. 
they have a valid security concern that if Jesus' followers come in, fake, steal the body, fake that there was a resurrection, that uh, the people might even uprise against them. That's going to change everything. It's going to cause trouble with the Romans. Uh, potentially, it's going to you know, render their whole system of Judaism invalid. You know, they don't want any of this sort of thing. There's a power play. It's going to change everything if something like this happens. So they've even gone to the effort before Jesus died of, of uh, making a plan to make sure there's a Roman guard. Let nothing stop, get in the way of any deceitful work by Jesus' 12 disciples, who again have bailed at this point anyway. So what happens to them? What happens to these chief priests? How do they respond? Well, uh, what happens to them is uh, the guards who've experienced this, and we'll come to the guards in a minute, who were shaking and, you know, were like dead men, but the guards who've experienced this come to the chief priests and give a report. Uh, in verse 11, they reported to the chief priests everything they'd happened. So they've cut, they, these chief priests have heard from the Roman guard that this violent earthquake's happened, this angel's come, he said Jesus is risen. And how do the chief priests respond? They cover it up. They get a direct report from the guards, hear all about it, but then continue to cover it up. Uh, why? I think there's lots of reasons. I think many of them maybe thought they were trying to do the right thing. I'm sure they did. As I said, I think there were threats to their power and, and, and the security and the, 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 the cultural structures. But I think at the core of it for the chief priests and especially the Sadducees within them, it didn't match their theology. Their minds were already closed that Jesus could actually, would actually rise from the dead. Their minds were shut to that already. Their theology said this can't happen, so therefore it didn't happen. And yet even when confronted with these Romans who are standing before them saying this happened, they're still like, no, there's no way this could have happened. This doesn't fit in with our way of thinking. They were, had their theology, theology, their, their way of seeing God and, and how God operates, and it didn't fit their paradigm. So they wrote off truth and they continued the cover-up. It's the chief priests. And what about the Roman guards? What about the Roman guards? How did they respond? Now here are a bunch of, these guys are Roman, they're tough, think the bouncers, you know, like think the biggest, buffiest, muscliest dudes. Um, these are tough guys, they're probably, they're probably uh, temple guards. And remember, they've been put there because the priests went to Pilate and asked for a special guard. As Roman guards, uh, one of the things that we know from history is that if you are given a task, by your superior, and you don't get it done properly, it's not like they just dock your pay. Hey, we're not going to give you pay. If you're a Roman task and you're told to guard something or do something, and if it doesn't happen, you'll get killed for it. So for them, guarding a tomb, if someone does break in, they haven't done their job, 
they'll get executed. So they, they get looked after the Roman, the Roman soldiers and guards, but at the same time, it's a risky business. It's all in. And these are tough guys. They certainly weren't, most likely, uh, they certainly weren't Jews. Some of them perhaps maybe believed in some of the Roman guards. But again, what's their experience? After they've seen the earthquake, the angel, uh, he, uh, hearing that uh, he's risen, what happens? The guards were so afraid of him, looking at the angel, that they shook and became like dead men. These tough guys who are ready to, should be pulling out their swords, ready to fight, shake and have a full physiological reaction to what they're seeing. They're absolutely like dead. I don't know if that means that they fainted. I don't know what happened to them, but they have a full reaction. They cannot handle seeing this angel, seeing what is before them. I don't blame them either, frankly. Um, but how do they respond? I assume it's some of them, they gather themselves up. And what do they do? Verse 11 again, while the women are on their way, where do the guards go after that? They go into the city and report to the chief priests everything that had happened. They don't go to their Roman superiors because they know if they go to their Roman superiors and they say, look, you've told us to, you know, in the name of Caesar, you know, you've told us to protect the tomb and we've stuffed it. Firstly, they'll get killed for it. Secondly, even if they go to their uh, superiors and say, hey, it was an angel, they're probably thinking, well, who's actually going to believe? Are they going to believe us? Like, oh, you're making that up. You're making that up, you know? Uh, so they go instead to the chief priests. They probably already, uh, already have a sense with the chief priests that, uh, part, uh, uh, that maybe there's a chance, at least, you know, there's a chance they might be able to swing some deal or, or at least have a chance of survival. And the chief priests who share the security concern with uh, pilots seem to figure out that maybe there is a way we can work and and maybe, maybe we'll concoct a plan that says, we'll just tell them you guys fell asleep, which again is, a, is a, actually not a helpful way because it's them not doing their duties properly. And I don't know how you'd sleep through someone moving a massive stone. It's a problematic story, but they're going to go with it um, because if not, they'll get killed for it. But here's the thing. What's the guard's response? They've seen the truth. They've seen the stones being rolled away. They've seen that empty tomb. And yet, what is their response? They act to ensure their own survival, don't they? They don't respond going like the women, wow, look at what we've seen, this changes everything. They immediately act going to, I see this, but I also see the implications of this. And if I go and say this is true, if I confess to this, no one will believe us, everyone will be against us, we'll likely get killed. I see the implications of this truth, so I'm going to join in the cover-up. I'm going to reject it. The implications are way too hard to accept. That's their initial reaction. I have to wonder later on down the track, if the guards made it, survived, you know, if they, if they got through that, did they reflect on this later in life? 
Do they look back on that empty tomb and that earthquake and, and that angel? How did they reflect on it then? I don't know. I ask the question then for us. We look at the women, we look at the chief priests, we look at the guards. Again, I ask, what about us? If we were there, how would we respond? But even for us here today or over Easter, when we read this gospel account of the empty tomb and discovering the empty tomb of the angel, uh, sharing the good news that Jesus is risen, as we're confronted with the empty tomb, how do we respond? Maybe we're like the 12 disciples and we're even there in the first place. We bailed a couple of chapters ago. Or do we resonate with some of the characters that we've just, just read about? Do we resonate with the women? We're confronted by the empty tomb. We're afraid. We're not sure what's going to happen. But we also embrace the good news that Jesus is risen. In fact, we embrace it and we're willing to change how we live, change what was on our agenda, and go in obedience. Just like the angel said to them, go into Galilee, we see this empty tomb and we say, wow, this has got to change the way I live. And as I change the way I live, I'm actually going to go in obedience, and as I do that, I'm actually going to see the Lord Jesus at work. I'm going to see what he's doing. I'm going to know what Jesus calls me to do. Is that how I would have responded? Is that how I respond today? Do we resonate with the chief priests? Now, often they get a bad rap, but go with me on this. Do we resonate with the chief priests? Because the chief priests, at their core, had a theology. They had a closed mind to the idea that Jesus could have risen again. Do we come to this passage, this idea that Jesus died and rose again, with a closed mind? Does Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, fit our own theology? None of, some of us here might say, I'm not a theologian. We're all theologians at one level. We all have an idea, a sense of who we think God is or how God operates. Does Jesus, a resurrected Jesus, fit our theology? Do we actually believe that he may have risen again? Does it go against how we grew up, the traditions we were taught, does it go against our minds? Does it seem unwise or foolish to believe that this guy rose again? In so many ways, maybe it does. Do we come to this close-minded, like these chief priests? We never even give it a chance. Are we like that baby elephant in the story? Do you know the story of the, the guy who goes to the, to the circus and he sees the baby elephant with a little chain Sorry, he sees a massive, big adult elephant, sorry, with a chain around its ankle, you know, and the guy says, how come that massive, big elephant is just chained up by a tiny little chain around its ankle? It could just yank it out. And the circus owner says, we've kept it chained down like this since it was a little kid, so it tried when it was young and it couldn't do it. So even though it's a 12-ton elephant now and it could wrench it out, it never even tries because it's been stuck in that thinking for its whole life. Is that a bit like us? Are we closed-minded to what could be before us? Do we not even give it a chance? 
Is that us? We like the chief priests. For many of us in this room, uh, we can't, you know, for many of us in this room who've come to church, maybe in, even in some of the same ways, we've heard this message so many times. Every year it's the same resurrection. Jesus, Jesus rose again. Does our theology hold us back a bit? Do we go, oh yeah, heard that again and again and again, you know. Um, we've heard it so many times that it doesn't pierce our heart, doesn't change our world, maybe like it did uh, with the women. Are we going to walk away in five minutes and go, oh yeah, that was a nice sermon, whatever. That, the, the empty tomb, it doesn't make a difference in my life. Are we hardened heart? You know, it's common, even for preachers and, you know. What about the guards? Do we resonate with the guards? We might be confronted with the truth of the empty tomb, but the implications of it um, boggled, bog us down before we even choose to believe. Do we go, well, that's all true. Maybe Jesus did rise again. But the implications of it, if that has implications on my life, I don't want to know about it. You know, if I believe it's going to be true, maybe we're not going to get it killed like a Roman guard, but if I believe it to be true, does that mean I have to go to church? Does that mean I have to become a Christian? Does that mean I have to become like one of those people? Do I have to become, like, think how they think? Do I lose myself? Um, do I have to, to believe in something that doesn't make sense? You know, if I become a Christian, is it going to have implications on my marriage or my relationships? It's going to have implications on my dreams for the future, my job prospects. It's too much. I might believe it. It might well be true, but there is no way I'm going to accept it because of the implications of it. Or are we like the guards maybe later on? Maybe we need more time. You know, maybe we're still shaking from the news that Jesus is risen, but we need to think it through. Do we resonate with one of these characters? Or maybe we don't. Maybe in none of these ways. Here's my encouragement. That's okay, but here's my encouragement. We need to have a think. How would you respond? I'm going to give us just a few seconds to ponder. This is what I'd like us to do. On your seat is a card. Now, if you've been here last week, you, would, you might have seen this card. You might have even filled it in. I'd love us to all do it again this week. We're going to do it again next week, heads up too. Um, but I'd love to know how would you respond. If you want to share, I'd love us all to respond. How would you respond? On that card, there's a few ways of responding too. There's some options of ticking the box uh, on one on, on the front side. Because maybe this morning you're like, I want to be like the women. I want to respond in obedience. I want to embrace it. I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, I'd like to do that. I want to pray for us in a second. Maybe you're undecided, you want to know more. Um, I can't wait to lead Hope Explored. Uh, we've got this awesome team that's going to join us. We're doing it on Zoom. It's a great way, a safe place to ask questions. Maybe you want to join us for a course like that. There's Mark's Gospels at the back. 
Uh, take a free gospel. Maybe you need to meet, meet or read more. Maybe you want to respond a different way and write down, how would you respond? You know, if you are new or visit, I'd love to, you know, share your details with us. Just take a minute, or even another 30 seconds, to fill in those cards. Thanks for doing that. And I really, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you all filling in those cards because it helps us all to do that. If you've ticked one of those boxes, especially, I'd like to to pray for us. I'll close in prayer. And then after this prayer, uh, our worship team's going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song. And as that song goes, I'd love you, we're going to have some buckets come around and just give you a chance to put your card into that bucket. Leave the pencil on the seat and then leave it there for the service later on. But we're going to put that card in the bucket. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're confronted this morning again with this good news. That there was a violent earthquake... There was an angel. There's an empty tomb. And a message from the angel that Christ is risen. Father, we can respond in so many different ways. Maybe the way that uh, the women responded or the guards or the chief priests responded resonates with us. Father, if there are those here this morning who are saying, I want to be like the women. I want to be like them in the way that they saw what had happened and responded and believed and put their trust in you. If there are those in this room, I want them to pray after me, even just in their hearts. Uh, God, I, I recognize that Jesus did indeed rise again. I want to believe. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient. I want to worship you. I want to live for you from now on. Amen. And Father, as I'll keep praying, but as Lord, uh, however we've ticked that box, I pray that today, this truth that you rose again, this uncomfortable truth, would continue to permeate our hearts and our minds. Father, may we respond to it in whatever way that we do. But may we not ignore it. May we make our own response. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.